everyone, welcome to Art Ho Podcast, a podcast about finding your way around the creative industry. My name is Maggie. And my name is Ola. How are you? Yeah, I am good, thank you. I'm good, just a bit destabilised at the moment, because, you know, we literally just finished work, had, like, quite a late meeting, and then you just literally haven't had time to de-stress and it's yeah. just straight back <laughs> into the thick of it, but yeah. Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, I'm good. I just had like a nice, quick, late, yeah, late afternoon workout session. Um, yeah, I've just been like trying to force myself to get into the habit of like working out five days a week. Because before it's like I just work out sporadically, like kind of when you feel like it or like, you know, if you, I don't know, like usually after like hangover, I'm just like, I need to like detox Oh, okay. or like yeah don't you do that like if you're yeah. like hungover like perhaps maybe not necessarily the day where you're hanging but the day after i'll kind of be like okay let me just like detox get everything like out of my system like kind of juice smoothies maybe like oh I'll definitely i'm definitely drinking water today yeah having some fruit <laughs> <laughs> yeah along well, with definitely, the but not working out really yeah oh, maybe that's just me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i've just been yeah just working out looking after myself keeping fit or trying to keep fit but yeah cool cool so um this season is I guess a big market season for a lot of small businesses. So a lot, a lot of people I know that have small product businesses are taking part in festive Christmas markets, and also it's kind of like the first time since COVID that I don't know if Christmas markets have kind of happened uninterrupted as well. I swear mm-hmm. last year it was a bit funny. I think they might have started a few and. Then we had like a lockdown and then people were just thinking, is it really worth it? It's quite risky. Some places are like, if it doesn't happen, we'll give you your money back. Some people, it's like, depends how close to the day. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've been taking part in quite a few markets and um, I know Maggie, you've done a few markets as well. But mm. initially when I started my business about five years ago, markets were really the only place where I made money mm. online. I think it took me a while to actually generate online sales outside of my like immediate friends and family. Okay. So markets were a place where I could make a decent amount of money or in a way I could lose a lot of money mm-hmm. um, because if you actually don't make any sales, it's basically cash loss because you've paid to be there. You have given up your whole day mm-hmm. and... Uh, you don't really have much out of it. I guess if you're being optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) Paying for the vibes. (laughs) No, I guess if you're being optimistic, or when I'm after the fact, you know, at that moment, you're kind of like, well, like, my stuff is so crap. Like, why am I even here? Blah, blah, blah. But after the fact, you're like, okay, no, actually, I met some interesting people. I got some ideas for my display. Mm. I did this, I did that. Next time I'll try this. People ask, a lot of people have been asked about this kind of product. Maybe that could work so eventually i think markets if i'm being fair even if i didn't always make money from them straight away it definitely helped me build up my product range Mm. and definitely helped me build up my maybe confidence in talking about my product Mm. and also how to create a great display or good display Mm. at what actually attracts people because one thing i definitely notice is it's more than just having a good product 
Um, but yeah, anyway, all of this was kind of spurred on by a conversation I was having with like another market trader and um, the market was doing okay. There were a few, I feel like there's a few kind of companies or business ideas that generally seem to do well in markets. Um, mm. I don't know if you've noticed this, T. Mm. You know what? I feel like it, it depends on it depends on the market though. I think it depends on the location. It depends on actual product. And I think sometimes it just depends also on the people. Like there's so many variables when it comes to markets. That's what I've found anyway. Even though I definitely haven't been <laughs> trading or going to as many markets for um as long as you. But I think in the this is like our second year technically doing um markets. And I think it just it does vary. But I think I I agree with what you're saying um, to an extent. It's just like certain businesses, you know, no matter what, they're going to clean up. They're like, clean up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's just like, it, it, like, it almost doesn't matter what kind of money. If, if there's one business out of all the businesses that will sell something, it'll be them. Mm, yeah. And I think it's sometimes it's like, the I feel like the sellers or I guess, or traders, the ones that do well, it's usually, they usually have products that are different, different price points mm. so they kind of have things that are slightly on like you know the cheaper side the more affordable side then they have like bigger kind of more do you know what i mean the more attractive items that you can potentially see in your home or see like you know you can potentially like try on yeah, yeah gift like great gifts so yeah it just t- again it just goes back to like the kind of product true but i think from what i've seen there's just certain things that i just kind of know they do all right. Maybe yeah. I'll get back to that later on. <laughs> <laughs> they do all right. But um, basically, this girl in particular that I was speaking to, she's an artist. So she's selling like her art. Her art was more like kind of like illustrative. Mm. And she was we were talking about, you know, her experience and stuff. So her background, I think she came more from like a corporate background. Always loved art. Recently mm. quit her job and she wants to focus full time on selling her art. I was like, okay, cool, that's good. You know, asking her questions. She said she's done a few markets, but I think she was just getting to that point where she was starting to like question herself, like, do oh, I need no. to get another job? Do I need mm. to do this? I need to do that. And I was just like, I mean, I'm not like a massive veteran in the game or anything, but these Sorry, are my five years. <laughs> no, but a lot. Of, I don't do markets every year, but I was like, these are my tips from someone who's done okay in markets. I like these are the things that I've changed or I've thought about or blah, blah, blah. Because sometimes mm. as well, when you're coming as an artist, you're selling art, it's a lot different, I think, than selling like, I don't know, a hat. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like it's a ta- it's still a taste thing, but yeah, it's like, you know how a hat or a cup could look. Yeah. Who should look or have a rough idea how a mug might look. I don't know. But when it comes to someone's art pieces and they're selling it as, you know, on a canvas or mm. as a printout, it's very much taste. And your work might be, and also it's subjective as well. So your work might be amazing. It, the quality of the print, everything is good. The price mm. point makes sense. But are the people there? Mm. Is this what really want to? people want to buy do the right people come to that market i feel like you have to think even more and be even more critical about where you go to when you're selling something that's a lot more like art or print focused a bit more niche yeah what kind of um what type of art was it is it illustration or like yeah it was like illustration kind of figurative like people 
faces, that kind of thing. Oh, is it well. all like quite digital? Like, or does she hand hand draw hand hand drawing? Thing? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Mm. So I was like, okay, it's interesting because like I I I felt the same way as well actually because even online it's not as easy because it's very visual. Like, how do you? Yeah, there's some keywords you can obviously use to describe your work but that will also bring up a whole load of things that look nothing but also like your work as well Mm. so it's this whole idea of you know like finding your tribe finding your market how do you find your your people that actually like your stuff when you're creative um when people have to experience it to know if they even like it where sometimes the description isn't enough where you know keywords aren't always enough abstract like Mm. everything's almost abstract nowadays you know so I thought that was quite interesting to kind of think like how do you actually mm. but what was like that? the main like challenge that she was having is it that kind of at that particular fair where you guys were at was it that she just wasn't getting as many sales as she had hoped or is it like what was yeah she wasn't getting any sales Really? Or any as many shows as she had hoped. I guess every time you you join like a market or whatever, mm. you're hope you're you go with the intention to sell. Yeah. Um. You have high hopes, and then when you don't, it's very like demoralizing. And then on top of that, it's like you you might question your own art, mm. and you also think, okay, what is it? Is it the people? Is it my art? Is it, how is it? How is it presented? Is it just the wrong place? Is it that? Mm. You know what I mean? There's just so many variables to how you know why it's not working mm. and the honest. thing is is like it i think with art is definitely very subjective because sometimes essentially what you may try to kind of sell essentially is like her clients may not be the people who are going to buy art at a trade show or at a fair like essentially they may they may be the people who prefer to buy their art online yeah and there are some people that they prefer to kind of see the art physically in person in perhaps maybe not a fair setting because they may assume like, oh, you know, that person's literally just starting out. So maybe they might prefer to see the artwork perhaps presented in the gallery. So that's the thing about, it's very like weird with art in particular, but I think sometimes it's just, it really does depend on the environment and where people actually see the art and how they actually interact with it. Mm. so that's probably something that she might even want to consider is just like maybe if she is going to focus like selling online like the ways that she can look into promoting herself like a bit better in like the digital space or maybe just try different fairs like different areas of London perhaps even outside of London that's the thing she actually came from outside of London as well so I think that's also what made it worse <laughs> No, I don't mean it in that way, but you know when you've travelled? Like one time I went to this fair, like, <laughs> North Rochester. London. No. <laughs> it's like North London. I, went, I just I drove the M25. There. <laughs> it was just, it wasn't even just, I was okay, it was bad enough it was North London, so it already took over an hour to get there. <laughs> then I got there. No parking anywhere. Oh anywhere. Gosh. No side road. Oh, the supermarket is like two hours. I'm going to have to come back in two hours to move my car. Then where do I move it to? I proper sitting there, proper sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? Where am I going to park my car? Like, do I just risk it? Like, am I really going to get like a £60 ticket and then potentially not even make any money today or have the uh, £60 I made and I have to pay the ticket <laughs> cash loss again? Because it's like, what am I going to do? But that's when I found out about Just Park. So, yeah. Bit of Googling. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's it that saved story me really came since. like full circle. Like, <laughs> it was like it should be an ad in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little ad break. Please sponsor us. So yeah. yeah. Um yeah, that's when I found out about that because like no, nah, mm. there has to be we're in twenty I don't know what year that was, twenty nineteen. I was like, no, nah, there has to be some sort of app for this. <laughs> like why am I driving around looking for parking? <laughs> like there has to be somewhere that I can park like that tells me screaming. Yeah, and so yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it's, it can be really stressful. Like you're driving to next areas, you don't even mm-hmm. know where you're going to be parking, you don't even know how it's going to go, you don't know how the weather's going to affect people. Mm-hmm. Like thinking of some of my markets, like some of my best markets have been like in terms of footfall at the quietest, but people came and they knew what they came to do. They understood, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Understood like, the assignment. They understood the assignment. They mm. were like, yeah, we've come to spend money, we've come to buy, this is our vibe. Well, I've done big markets where like the footfall is like ridiculous, but people just dare to to look. It's just a, a destination. Just browse, yeah. yeah. Like killed literally to kill time. Mm. So it is really risky. But um yeah. I think it'll be interesting to talk a bit more about like kind of like how we found our customers and stuff like that. So I have a question. How um easy have you found it to find your customer? Mm-hmm. You can talk across your businesses. <laughs> for not, for too long. <laughs> Can't stand you. But um I guess I think I think with um Nuan Near Home, which is my product business where I sell where I sell um candles and home fragrances, I think essentially finding our customer our customer base and really understanding what our cost what our customers liked. Um yeah, fortunately it was quite it was relatively easy. Um and I think it was quite easy because essentially when we launched the business, like we kind of kept kind of like the USP. Like it's like we kind of kept that at the forefront and really even though it's like with candles essentially it's like such a crowded, like so oversaturated, it's just like anyone is making candles. There was literally a time in the <laughs> pandemic where literally like anyone can make like essentially anyone is making candles and especially there was a time where people you know really gravitating towards like the mold kind of oh, candles yeah. essentially all the funny shapes yeah and stuff, nude lady and all the busts and stuff like that so essentially some tangerine candles at home that i haven't even burnt yet they're like yeah. for aesthetics they're not even for they're not purpose-built but yeah <laughs> but it's just you know when it when it kind of feels like okay it's just like super saturated it's just like how do you make yourself stand out mm. um i think that was the thing that we just had to try and really like drive through the products um, yeah. and through our presence online. Like as we we're trying to build our presence, so we we're trying to build our following on social media. We we're trying to kind of um, yeah build like even the website and just trying to incorporate where we incorporate that where we can. Um, but I think essentially what did happen is like we took part in a few um, markets. No, essentially, before taking part in markets, when we were deciding on what products to launch, is like we did like a little bit of like kind of market research, and we did that with kind of like close friends and family, and just kind of got their thoughts and things. And then it was almost a thing where we we're just like, okay, what kind of fragrances do people like? Even when we we'll go to our friends' houses, it's just like, okay, essentially a lot of 
our friends if they did have candles in the home like what kind of scents were they how often people would buy candles it's just like observations and we started making note of things like that um mm. and then when we actually went and did our first market um that was really helpful because essentially it was that's when we were still you know trialing things out in terms of like the packaging um and different types of things with the branding um and it was kind of helpful because sometimes there's obviously some customers they're there's like you know they're there some of them are literally they're there to browse like they came outside because they just wanted to get a bit fresh a bit of fresh yeah, air stretch their legs literally stretch their legs walk their dog and just have a chat <laughs> but i mean some it was really helpful it was just like insightful at the same time because these people are like essentially they don't owe you anything so it's like they can be as honest as they want and yeah you know it's a great it's a great way to really um get that feedback from people in person and really understand like how people behave in terms of I guess like their habits when it comes to buying things for the home when Mm. it comes to you know their interest in home fragrances when it comes to their interest in kind of sustainability health benefits and if they're even you know aware of like essentially the kind of products or I guess the ingredients and things that you use so I think it was definitely helpful um in that sense and I think from those conversations we had with those kind of first few customers um we kind of like took that feedback and then kind of tried to incorporate it a lot more into like our new products and you know if people are like oh you should do this you should do that try this scent why don't you introduce this kind of product so we'll literally listen to what people say and sometimes you, that you feel that, that people also just say things and then yeah when you have it they're like oh that's nice <laughs> literally that's nice I'm not like, buying it side eye, like, yeah <laughs> I don't think she was actually gonna do it <laughs> that's a, but okay, essentially those people they're probably not your customers but I think it's like when you notice <laughs> that you you keep hearing like the same feedback or the same mm. suggestions or even the same kind of um queries about a similar thing I think it's a good it just makes sense to good implement it yeah, yeah it's definitely a good indication and there's no harm in just trying something out it's like if there's if literally like three or four people have said the same thing i think it's just it makes sense to I just guess try that, it out that's the thing it's a perks of being like a small business you have that mm. flexibility to be like do you know what i can make two or three of these candles and yeah it might be a cash loss in terms of like i have to now buy the materials and i can't really if i don't use it all up it's like mm. whatever but if it does well that's great like that's another thing i can add or yeah yeah exactly and that's the thing is like even literally this time last year it's like we thought oh yeah we're gonna launch like a christmas candle i don't know who told us like i don't even like christmas scents but mm. we're just like this is what this is what the people want in it but that's but- the thing there was this woman next to me at um one of the markets i did she had all these christmas she was raking it in my gosh she had all these candles and like she put all these little like garnishes garnishes on it like you know like those dried oranges and oh, yeah. stuff like that and people were just like oh my gosh wow so, yeah it. basically <laughs> I was like wow maybe I should set up a candle business <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's these things it's just like it's down to like presentation as well mm. like with candles what I've seen at some of the fairs like you know when you're just kind of like sussing out other people's displays and that kind of thing and presentation like what you were saying earlier is like that is important as well because it's like if you have candles if you're selling soaps if you're literally selling like I don't know hair bands if you're selling tea whatever the product is it's just like if it's displayed in a way where it just looks so 
do you know what I mean? So chaotic. at eye level as well. Yeah. I think sometimes when it's just displayed in like the most chaotic way, <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's off-putting. So essentially it's like, it's so many things that you have to consider when it's kind of like, do you know what I mean? You're selling out markets. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you have to kind of bear in mind that essentially. <sighs> you have to invest in your display. Mm, like you can't just assume that people just see oh what's think oh what's going on over there and come over like people come in they kind of scan the room and they go over to the things that they're attracted to and they're not going to spend much time like trying to decipher oh what is that soap or candles or mm. or hand cream it's just kind of like oh i don't <laughs> understand what's happening over there <laughs> moving on yeah honestly yeah but yeah what about you have you found your customer base um I feel like very slowly over time, initially, I guess like most people, my customers were like my friends and family. Mm. And um, I want to believe that they, and I actually do believe because a lot of them have been repeat customers that they did <laughs> genuinely like my products. And it's not just like, <laughs> uh, you know, patronizing me or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah, I actually like this. Um, but I feel like it was easier for me to find my customer in person like by doing markets and stuff then online Mm. um it kind of felt at the beginning like in a way all the ads or whatever or promo or social media stuff i was doing was just kind of falling on deaf ears in a way like my social media growth growth was just like so slow um stuff like that but through market it was it's almost that immediate um satisfaction maybe or that immediate find or through finding people that actually like your stuff it doesn't always happen though so you also have to manage your expectations but I think Mm. that kind of helped and also my idea of who I thought my customer was was kind of helped me choose the markets that I went to and then tailor that accordingly so maybe at the beginning I thought okay my customer is going to be going to all these like hip brick lane markets or whatever and then in doing that and feeling like actually the people who actually go to these brick lane markets aren't the people who you think Mm. go it's mainly tourists and stuff yeah um or um actually like these kind of people that i think they are they actually don't really shop there they shop here so it's a Mm. bit of yeah when you do your business plan yeah you kind of guess and you write down oh my customer shops here and there and blah 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 but sometimes you do have to go through trial and error as well to kind of really see where you think these people go um especially if that person isn't necessarily yourself Mm. um your customer isn't necessarily you. So, yes, I think that I feel that bit of trial and error has kind of helped. And also my customer kind of evolved to maybe a person that I didn't think they were. Um, so, like, one person discovering you and kind of relaying, not even, like, relaying your story. Like, I found in the end that a lot of people who were into, like, sustainable, I didn't really f- coin myself as a s- sustainable or ethical brand. Mm. But slightly it is, mm. but it's not something I went with. That wasn't my USB, but I just don't really like waste and stuff. So it's natural in my process with my brand to think how I can use as much as possible of what I have, how I order in my products so that I sell what I have and mm. how I kind of like create a brand that's also seasonless so that I don't have to think about, oh, okay, I have to sell this by this time or this is only for this period. So what I found is that a lot of people who are into that kind of stuff eventually found me 
and now I've been kind of coined as this ethical brand. And I don't know, I always, I, I always say that quite loud because I feel like a lot of people, it's kind of like a buzzword. Like a lot of people want to say, yeah, we're sustainable, we're ethical, mm. we're this, we're that. Um, where really it's made, they might have like one sustainable bamboo t-shirt or... <laughs> <laughs> or something like that and a lot of businesses aren't because I feel like the bigger you get as a business the a, a lot it it's a almost lot impossible yeah. to really be wholly sustainable because being sustainable is not just about the materials you use it's about your processes as well mm, how um, it's manufactured exactly yeah. where, even where it's manufactured your air miles carbon footprint all of that mm -hmm. so um, yeah so I found that another kind of market that I wasn't really expecting um, as well so it's not for me what I found it wasn't just about me finding people who liked my prints but it was also people who had maybe a certain kind of lifestyle or morals as well and mm. finding that customer which I think was a quite maybe quite an interesting angle that I didn't think of when I first started my business um, yeah so I feel like my customer has evolved and maybe expanded but a lot of my original customers are still the same customer I guess you find that you don't have one customer anyway you're going to mm. have this Paul, you're gonna have Amy, you're gonna have Jane, you're gonna have Ola. Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. gonna have like a whole bunch of different people that come to you for different reasons. Mm. The person looking for a gift, the person who just loves the sense, the person that does that. So I guess it's like finding that your customer isn't just gonna be this one person. And then once you kind of find out what are the kind of like the key things that attract someone to your business, playing playing with that as well. Mm. do you know what I mean so you're not just sticking to one thing it's like yeah you have this core fun abstract art but what else is there about it and that even might be your USB it's, it's that but there's other things maybe it's like where it's made made mm. in the UK made in London supporting local yeah. printers well sometimes it's like your personal story it's yeah kind of, do you know what I mean it's just like your your personality kind of injected within the project within the within the product it's true people or literally your identity people. yeah exactly your identity your heritage yeah it can be like literally a myriad of things no exactly so where have you found your product or business to be most popular would you say online in person or depends on the day mm, yeah it depends really um yeah, it does depend. I think at the moment, um, yeah, I sell I sell the product um, online, but directly through my website and through like social media, um, and yeah, it does it does depend. I think for the most part, is like the sales are the sales are kind of they're generally pretty steady. Mm. But I think of course. Um, you know, when you do fairs, like the in-person fairs, it's always a kind of a bigger return is like tenfold of what you would usually make <laughs> <laughs> within within the space of two weeks if you're just selling directly on your website. But mm. yeah, I think I think it, it just depends on the season as well. And I think at the moment, especially with obviously the, the festive season, the run up to Christmas, it being winter, is like yeah i think there's a lot more um there's just a lot more interest yeah so, like sales have definitely been buzzing but i think that that doesn't necessarily mean that when it comes to summers like there's no sales but i think it's just 
Yeah, it's, it's weird. Just a typical. It's just I guess what you expect. Like obviously, everyone talking about gifts. Christmas yeah. makes a good gift. Oh, I bought a candle from them. I really like them. Let me check them out online. Send it to whoever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it makes sense. That's the thing. But I feel like at the same time, it's like you can't really predict it because, to be fair, when I first started, when yeah, when we first started the business, it was like June, June last year, June um, twenty twenty, um. I I don't I didn't really have I didn't really have any didn't have like expectations for it to sounds <laughs> like really bad I just didn't expect it to kind of be um as successful as it was because the time of year because in my mind I was just like we'll just see what happens I don't mm. really know if people buy candles in summer or if people oh I don't know what I was just thinking it's just one of those things as if anything's like yeah potentially towards autumn there'll be more sales but I think the one thing that I have learned is just like it's very unpredictable unpredictable it's like it doesn't do you know what I mean it's like seasons don't really influence it or essentially yeah. the weather doesn't really yeah influence sales like it's not that much of a seasonal product like it's not like it's um it's clothing or yeah or woolly hat or something I don't yeah. know yeah that's the thing so it's it's quite um I think it's a good thing and a bad thing, but I think it's sometimes it's it's quite difficult to kind of really, yeah. I forgot what I was gonna say, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. How do you think the difference is then, maybe for um, Looking Glass and finding people who are interested in 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 Looking Glass? Hmm. I think with Looking Glass, it's definitely a lot more challenging, to be fair. I think when I have done, like, physical um, like physical events, so, for example, like, um, yeah, when I've created, like, film screenings or even, like, trying to promote um, exhibitions, um, it it isn't as easy because, essentially, it's a weird one because it's, it's not really, like, you're you're essentially essentially I'm promoting an event and mm. I think with events sometimes if they're not free <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing is it's just it's so it's it's tricky because sometimes if for these events workshops screenings exhibitions whatever it just it really does depend on what else is happening yeah. like kind of within that that space and that time so essentially, if you're doing something in like a proper like, I don't know, obscure part of town, yeah. or like some really obscure random area, of course, like not many people, unless they're literally like your nearest and dearest, not many <laughs> people are going to be that bothered to like trek out to the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So sometimes depending on the location or wherever you're doing the the event is like that could be something that determines how many people would show up and you know the amount of people that kind of engage or interact with whatever you're trying to put on but I think another thing is also even if the events are paid is just or people have to pay for the event it's just like sometimes it's just like there's no real way to call it but I think there's so many variables when it comes to kind of putting on events that I found so it has been quite it's definitely challenging but I think the one thing that does help is just kind of social media um and I think especially I'm thinking back to 
when I was in Berlin, it's like when I started doing like the first exhibitions out there, like at the time, it's like there was a lot of like Facebook groups. So okay, that's how yeah, I reached Facebook out to people. Hot. Yeah. Oh, Facebook was popping. <laughs> Damn times. But there were so many like groups. Um, and fortunately, I was able to kind of be a part of some of these groups. And I had connected with quite a few like, um, I guess, like other black artists and black creatives um, who lived in Berlin. Mm. So to promote the event and to invite people to come down, it was kind of like word of mouth. So it was a lot more easier to kind of promote it through that channel um yeah. especially because at that time it's just like who, who am i like i had friends but it's just like of course my friends would come anyway but it couldn't be like yeah uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like if it was just your friends it's not like as many people as you want to come yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like seven people <laughs> I, I stopped myself because like i'll go it'll be like five like, no let me stop <laughs> We're trying to say how they are mates. <laughs> no, but you said that, you know. You did, yeah. <laughs> humble beginnings. <laughs> yeah, also humble beginnings before, you know. Oh, screaming. No. You but... yourself out there, yeah. <laughs> that, but that's the thing. It was just like free social media, really. Um, and of course, it's like when you kind of list things on like Facebook at the time. It's, but I think... Because <sighs> back in the day, I remember I used to actually like be looking for motives. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be on Facebook like, what's happening this weekend honestly but now i feel like okay number one we don't use facebook like that anymore and secondly i do get a lot of ads and stuff or sponsored ads on instagram for events but i'm just kind of like mm, i don't know your, your poster might look all right but <laughs> i'm cautious of coming down and being mm. the only one there <laughs> <laughs> so for me to come to your event i have to really like there has to be something that really really caused me to it mm. Or something really interesting or something that really appeals to me and I can't yeah. just for the sake of it on a whim so it must be quite hard mm. even a lot more harder now for people who are like trying to showcase their work um, you know stuff like that mm. it is harder but I think the one thing that I have noticed when it comes to kind of promoting um, like kind of small galleries that have uh, that are trying to promote like events or like group shows or I don't know things like that it's just like you really have to be yeah, of course you have you you have to have a budget for it, so you definitely have to spend a little bit, especially on like Instagram ads, and you have to really find out where people are and really target those people. At yeah. the same time, you do have to be a little bit brazen. So it's one thing to run an ad, but I think what I've noticed, especially <laughs> on Looking Glass, like some galleries, they just but I'm terrible at checking DMs. Like they'll just dive into your DM. They'll be like, "This is happening." Yeah, literally yeah. dive in. This is happening. Would you be interested in coming down? Like, I don't know, breakfast reception, meet the eyes, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, breakfast receptions, they always like at weird times, like 8 a.m. Exactly. So you're like, mm, actually, I do mind. The one that I got, I was just like, <laughs> oh, this is really nice. Like, it's thoughtful. But I was just like, there's no way on a Saturday you're getting me out of the house at 9 a.m. Breakfast reception at 9 a.m. on a Saturday. I, c- I, I thought normally breakfast receptions were early because it's meant to be before you go to work. So yeah. it's like 8, so you can get to work from that, like 10 o'clock. That's but if it's on a Saturday, it's, it's uncalled for. At that one, I was just like, I, I wanted to go, but I was just like, I, I can't make it. <laughs> 8 a.m. on the Saturday. can't make it. It was between yeah. like 8, 8 a.m. and like 9.30. Mm. And it, they all, like, yeah, you're right. Typically, they're like, they are really early. Because even when I was working at um, 154 um, Contemporary African Art Fair, it's like when they would put on the fairs, they'll do like the press reception. And then that was always, that all started at an ungodly hour. Like mm. it was so early. 
like literally from like 8 a.m. or like sometimes 7 30, 7 30 till 9. Mad, but um, yeah, what was I saying? But yeah, going back to <laughs> <laughs> what was I even saying? Oh, you're saying like some brands will just deep dive into your DMs to be like, Are you coming to our breakfast thing? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. that's the thing. It's just like when, yeah, so going back to all of that, it's like when you are looking for your customers or you're trying to kind of um, like reach new audiences, it's just like. Yeah, you can run a sponsored ad, but sometimes you do have to be a bit more proactive mm. and really just like. It's almost like don't be too people. proud or think, oh, cause my work is so good or my events are so good, people are gonna come to me. Mm. And sometimes you have to go to people. Sometimes you have to follow people back, mm-hmm. start a conversation. Yeah, sometimes you got to do beggy beggy, like literally coming to follow them, liking up their pictures, just so they actually they notice you and they yeah. actually can see that okay this artist exists or like okay this gallery is doing something this looks interesting but yeah um, i agree um cool so should we go on to maybe some tips that or takeaways um what we can give to other people who might be thinking of maybe doing markets or they're just thinking my stuff isn't really selling i don't know what to do i can't find my people who like my stuff um yeah so some tips that we can maybe share based off our experience and just general stuff that maybe you can think of so i think first is probably really understanding your your niche your usp and Mm. your kind of aesthetic like especially if you're creative maybe a textile designer artist uh, um even a fashion designer filmmaker i know a lot of time as artists we don't really want to overly like you know, you want people to just kind of like figure it out. You don't want to overly explain it, but you kind of have to understand how to explain your work a bit. Like what is the essence of what your work is about? What are the kind of key things about it? Whether it's themes, whether it's um, based on the medium you're using, whether it's, um, I don't know, but you have to kind of like work out what it is that makes I, it's kind of annoying and it's actually quite hard and it took me a while even to kind of feel like what is actually special or different what is actually my usb of my of my brand mm. because it's in a way isn't it just like am i not just another textile designer putting things on products and selling it yeah okay but at the same time <laughs> <laughs> my um <laughs> my prints and my pants they have a story that actually have an influence and um i wasn't always portraying that like there's nothing that i do that's just like just to make it pretty mm. but every print that i make has a reason and a story behind it mm. why i wanted to make it and why i don't always just feel like i want to just churn out art, um textile prints because it's not just about churning them out there's actually a story and there's a reason why i did everything so yeah, finding out what exactly is your USB and what makes you special is going to help to kind of like tell your story and find people that also resonate with that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might even have to, if you don't know yourself, maybe ask people like, what is it? Ask people to describe your brand, what mm-hmm. they like about it, what maybe, maybe not what they don't like, but what they like about it, what they've how they would describe it to someone else mm. and then see oh is that really what you're trying to portray is that really what you how you want your brand to be seen yeah definitely i agree with that i think even to the um the usp point i think sometimes it can be quite difficult to 
think, you know, how to make yourself stand out, um, especially if you do feel like there's a, there's a lot of similar businesses or, you know, a lot of people doing that have a similar concept to what you're doing. But I think the main thing is really just have to, um, yeah, just really dig deeper and just even if it comes down to like corny things just right like free words that you can associate <laughs> with your business or yeah. you know free words to describe your business so with yeah with that in mind you can be able to kind of build like a brand story and identity around that and you know when people do ask you when you do go to fairs or you know even if you're kind of building up your website and selling online it's like that those free words or you know, whatever it may be, if it's like short sentence to describe like what your business is about, is like that is the key thing and like the driver throughout like everything that you produce and make. Exactly. And in saying that, it it also doesn't have to be that deep. Like sometimes you might feel like your USB has to be this most like profound life changing <laughs> thing. Yeah, I'm trying to save the planet or I'm trying to do this and that. Sometimes it's not that yeah. at all. Like it's as simple as... I don't know. I can't. I can't really say off head, but it, sometimes it's just not really that deep. Like yeah. what makes your brand so unique? Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's like I think that's the one thing. It's like sometimes there's no need to overcomplicate it. Yeah. It's like literally, if I don't know, for example, like yeah, I remember I went to. I was at a fair a few. Yeah, I was at a fair a few weeks ago, and then I met. Um, uh, another trader there and she was like really nice like super friendly girl and then she was selling wax melts and um yeah it's like her usp was um all the scents and fragrances um they all had they all reminded her of um scents that she would smell or spray um on her pillows before she would sleep but okay. she had like, yeah, issues sleeping um, and she also had uh, a few like mental health challenges and that kind of thing. So her wax melts were based around kind of, yeah, sleep sleeping scents mm. essentially. So everything kind of had like a base of perhaps la- lavender or chamomile, like everything was very calming. So there wasn't yeah. any kind of spicy or super floral scents. So that was kind of her main usp so it's like when i'd kind of talk to her and she'll tell me about her story it was just like yeah she'll just explain it like kind of like her mental health challenges and that kind of thing but yeah it's just like things like that it could be something super personal but you kind exactly. of you know interpret that um into your product yeah exactly yeah. so next tip is probably to consider that your customer might not be local so it might not they if you're in london they might not even really be in london if they're in the uk they could be they could be in france it could be like a, mm. a, it might be just something in that area that culture that they just really like the kind of thing that you sell the smells the whatever so um yeah markets and stuff are immediate and they're local but we have the whole world we have the whole world wide web and mm. if they're not here, they're going to be somewhere. They might not be as big. It might be quite a niche market considering what you're selling. But I think there's definitely going to be someone who likes what you sell. And it's finding them. Um, 
I guess if you have the possibility, to, if you've been running for a little while, you can look at your data, look at your analytics, people who come to your website, people who go to your Etsy store, people that go onto your Instagram. It might not be the people who you think are coming. It might not be the countries that you think are coming over. And so if you find that actually there's a whole lot of people from Paris who look at my um, Instagram all the time or interact with me and... um. I've never been there and I don't know people from this. I know it's not my friends. You might want to consider targeting those people that a bit more, maybe adding another language on your website, selling things mm. in euros, making your shipping more appealing to customers outside of the UK, mm. things like that. So yeah, just considering that, yeah, you're, the the people that like your things may, might not be here. We have that kind of like privilege in a way of having this the internet to be able to connect with people from all over yeah definitely yeah i find that most of my customers are london based and actually super local like sometimes i'm like oh i could probably just drop this off at your house like (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's how local it's very like it's weird but i think it could be because of a lot of the markets and stuff i've done or maybe it's the ads that i'm doing but Mm -hmm. a lot of like southeast london people oh really yeah it's crazy yeah Mm. (laughs) and whenever i do markets in southeast london they're always my best markets really so i don't know what it is about south londoners but they've got good taste (laughs) (laughs) yeah how have you found like your customers like do you find a lot of them are like local Mm. london or just all over or yeah to be fair it does vary there um but i think yeah it's really varied actually when i'm Mm. thinking about yeah the customers for the most part i'll say like the majority are in london but there's actually quite a few who are kind of based elsewhere in the uk so there's quite a few customers that we have like in scotland and in the midlands um who are kind of like returning customers um yeah yeah um and there's yeah even like returning customers that we have like in ireland um so yeah, they're kind of like all over, but I think the majority of them are in London. But okay. for the most part, it's kind of East London. A okay. lot of yeah, uh. a lot of the sales is kind of yeah, it's going like that side of the river. Interesting. Yeah, don't yeah. know why. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't know why, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to look at stuff like that because it's not even like you purposely look out for it, but you just start to notice that oh whoa, like there's a lot of people from a certain area. Yeah. A lot of people from East London and Kent. Okay. So it's just like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) Kent crew, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, if you're doing markets or approaching shops, um, thinking about their customers and who actually shops there, because I think sometimes with shops, um, you just kind of sometimes you're... I guess it's it's not double-edged shields, but sometimes it's like, it's nice to be somewhere. But unless a company or shop is outrightly buying your products, so whether it sells or not, it's their problem. You mm. need to think really wisely about where you put your products because if it's on consignment, which is they only pay you if they sell it, you could end up with all of that in a few months' time. So you really want to mm. make sure that the people that actually go to that spot actually buy and are actually the right kind of people and it's the right kind of vibe rather than just to say to people you've got a stockist. Mm. I think also it's about footfall as well. Yeah. Yeah, like there's one fair in particular. I don't know. 
maybe I won't name them. It's a bit, it's a bit messy if I do. <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> wait, wait to the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you when we stop recording. But yeah, <laughs> there's this one particular fair is that they have um. They now have like a physical, like permanent presence. Um, so oh, like a I new know. shot. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, but for like the past few months, like even before they actually opened their location, it's like they were proper just like on us. Like, are you interested? Like, this is the this is the rate. Like, you know, mm. you can rent out a space, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, hold on. So it's like I have to I don't know how I feel about renting out spaces and shops, but yeah. maybe that's another podcast episode. It might have to be. Like <laughs> that's another can of worms. But yeah. I was just like, mm, like they were just like on our case, they were just like following up. Oh, I just wanna check in with you. Have you um considered this and that? Like blah blah blah. It's just like it's just too early to tell if we actually want to rent a space. It'll be nice to have a stockist, yes. But you haven't opened the space, even wet the location is a bit random. Mm. And even when we're asking questions about the footfall and even like the demographic, like the kind of customers that they anticipate that they'll have is just kind of like, oh, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. We can't share that information. It's just like, how okay. are you now? How are you then like hounding us down? Like, okay. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. But I think, yeah. Although it would be nice, but at the same time, it's like we did have to think like realistically. It's just like, what would we really gain from being stocked there? Especially if they want you to put down money to mm-hmm. be there. It's one thing. It's like, okay, yeah, I could get all my products back, but it hasn't cost me anything to put it there. Exactly. But now I'm renting a space, and I might not sell anything. Exactly. And it's just it, there's so many like things. There's so many like things that you have to consider in terms yeah. of like okay the location of the shop, the footfall, the opening times of the shop. Because sometimes it's like, yeah, there may be a lot of footfall, but <laughs> it's, the opening times are weird. Yeah. Like, literally open from like between 9 and 4 p.m. Like and Everyone's at work. Yeah. yeah. It's just like things like that. There's so many things that you do have to consider. It's like even like making sure that they, you know, display your products in the way that, you know, is appealing and actually makes sense for like the customer journey. Like, you know, when they enter a shop. Yeah. Not that it's just kind of like, yeah, dashed yeah, in dashed corner. in the corner, or like put beside like another, perhaps another like textile business or another like candle yeah. business or whatever. It's just like, yeah, there's there's a lot of things to kind of consider um, if you are going down that route um, and like approaching approaching like small shops or like looking for online stockists and that kind of thing. I won't go too much into this because we guess we spoke about it quite a bit already, but considering when you're trying to find your customer the whole kind of like what's your story what you're trying to say about your work and what people are buying into so that's just like sum up of what we said earlier but yeah just adding it into the tips <laughs> oh, no, that was so lazy <laughs> no that's you're just like, like go back you... 30 minutes and listen <laughs> <laughs> if you were listening <laughs> <laughs> sis said I'm not repeating myself. you heard what I said <laughs> you heard me 25 minutes no ago. I didn't even say that long ago that's why I'm just kind of like there's no point saying again this is just a sum up but maybe so there's some extra things we didn't say before but we did we did kind of speak about that already you know yeah <laughs> yeah I guess like another tip uh, especially when you're kind of selling directly to customers I think it's definitely a good idea to look at the different types of um medium um that you're using to sell your work um and also look into how you can kind of 
I guess like um, expand like your your product base or introduce new products from something that you already have. Yeah. Um. So I guess yeah, speaking speaking about essentially yeah, when they're home um, and like the candles and that kind of thing. I think for us, um, we initially started only with candles um which were at which are like kind of the highest price point and then we wanted to kind of introduce a slightly smaller product so perhaps for people who aren't that familiar with or maybe they're not that um they're just slightly hesitant to kind of commit to buying like a full candle or people who prefer kind of wax melts and that kind of thing so that's Mm. when we decided to kind of introduce wax melts in only a limited amount of scents and then only recently the last few months we've introduced diffusers so people who kind of prefer who kind of don't want the hassle or like the the faff with like candles and wax melts they kind of just want something a lot more easier something that's just kind of like constant, self, constant yeah. and it's almost like self-sustained yeah like you don't really have to do anything there's not ma- not much maintenance attached to it um apart from like flipping reeds but yeah yeah, it's just a kind of like easier product. Um, so for like basically different types of customers um, and different types of kind of um, shopping behaviors and just like yeah, I guess like different. Um, I don't know, not like yeah, just different like yeah habits. So yeah, it's like at the end of the day, you want to get that sell in there, and if converting someone means you know. Yeah, there's maybe certain products where it just doesn't really make sense to maybe have higher, lower price point mm-hmm. items. But if you can, especially with, I think, markets or even online and stuff like that, whilst you're trying to kind of entice people when people don't really know who you are, someone might feel more comfortable spending £10 on the wax melt than £30 on the candle. And yeah. if you like the wax melt, then it might come back for the candle. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it makes sense to kind of have some, at least like a couple of products that kind of hit that kind of, low ticket yeah price the midpoint and then the higher point and then also you can upsell like someone mm-hmm. might be happy to buy the high point item but they want to buy two of that two of those but they wouldn't mind buying a few couple lower price point items mm-hmm. and then you're just upping your profit margin selling more getting more out there so um yeah i think where possible you don't want to overdo it especially at the beginning well, what if you can get some a smaller version, a larger version, or um, a slightly different product that's in the same family, mm. um, something that's complementary? Yeah, would definitely recommend it. Definitely. So yeah, thinking back to your your um, your fellow trader, yeah, that you met the um, the young artist who was trying to sell her work. Um, so. I'm assuming, obviously, she doesn't have any representation, but was she potentially thinking that representation would be, like, a better look or easier? No, she she didn't even bring it up. No. But I'm just thinking... (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just thinking more so, like, it could just be a thing where, as an artist... I I guess a lot of young artists now, maybe the idea of being represented Oh, hold on. Represented. Represented. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like so difficult. 
And mm. so a lot of people are basically selling their own work, but more so like in a merch style. Mm. So you're making art prints, like affordable kind of like printouts, uh, mugs, cards, stuff like that. Mm. Um, so it's more, I guess, um, accessible to the general public mm. rather than trying to aim to sell that one piece. Mm. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who would love to have representation and just sell through an agent and just, you know, can just focus on their art and making pieces and selling them. But mm. it's just not that straightforward. No, it isn't. And I think even, I think when you are, when you do have representation, whether you have um, an agent or if you're represented by a gallery, I think what that does do for an artist is that it does, is essentially for PR. So it does help with your visibility. Yeah. Um, And of course, it's it means that you can kind of sell your artwork at a higher price point. But I think obviously one con is sometimes you may not necessarily have as much say in where your work is exhibited and you probably also um, won't receive all of your money because essentially there are commissions, there are cuts, there are fees and handling fees, all of these kind of things. So So now the artist actually gets to the end. Yeah. I was reading an article about the, uh, the other day, actually. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. And do you know what? This is like a sidebar, but I feel like I really... We need to find someone who's proper, like, well-versed in crypto because I really want to have a conversation about NFTs because I've been seeing a lot of that, like, just flying about recently. About it and I, I get it. I get it, but I think the concept it, is But I'm weird. still a bit like, but Why? Yeah, why and what do you do with it? Like, okay. <laughs> like, is this it? Like, I can understand why people might think it's it seems a bit gimmicky because it does seem like, well, what is it? Just like people just want a place to put their money. Like, I just don't understand like why it's it's needed. Yeah, but when I tell you, it's just like I've in the last I'll say what we December the last like three months. Honestly, I've just seen like this like wave of like crypto artists now mm. i'm just like where i was just like where did this even come from like how did this even happen like it but, makes you feel like are you missing something like should i be jumping like should i be selling no because like, i still don't even i'm not gonna lie so i'm not even <laughs> <laughs> but it's like some of the crypto artists like even for example when i went to um 154 like they had like a there was a nigerian crypto artist he was exhibiting some work with um christie's mm. and they had like a small booth area so even just like there's so many things that were just spinning me because i was just like <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to <laughs> they had <laughs> they, all like this. they had a physical booth <laughs> and then there was like screens of the artwork so it was like a kind of i when i looked at this artist's work online i thought it was a painting so obviously okay. it is it's static it, mm. is, it belongs on a wall you can literally physically hang it on the wall but when i actually saw 
the NFT in real life, it was a digital version. So it was like a motion graphic essentially okay. of the painting. And I was like, wait, hold on. Is is it an actual motion graphic or is it a painting? But when I was looking at the description, like the title of the 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 piece, it's actually a painting. So I was just like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. And even with that, when I was talking to them, I was just like, oh, what is this? Like, this is interesting. They're like, yeah, you know, it's like you have to, even to purchase it. I was like, what a palaver. I can't even purchase it there and then. It's like, you literally got to go onto the Christie's Queen website. You got to site. Yeah. Um, I was just like, whoa. So I think, I said, I just, I personally, I don't really, I don't understand it. And if I'm being completely honest at this moment in time, I don't have an interest in crypto. I have an interest in crypto, but I don't have an interest in FD, NFTs because I've just got my head slightly around crypto. But NFTs, I just, still don't get it and I feel like you should put your money in things you somewhat understand you thoroughly understand (laughs) (laughs) that's how people literally were losing money what was it when stocks were crashing people were literally losing the the money that they invested in shares people trying to remove withdraw money from crypto and even withdrawing money is just like another higgy hagger situation but it's generally, not so easy to... I guess you're supposed to invest what you're kind of willing to lose. Mm. Um, and a lot of people don't do that. They just see fast money in it. Mm-hmm. But um, to be honest, as well with NFTs, a lot of them are kind of given clip art. What? Do you know what clip art is? No. Oh, yeah, I heard of clip art. <laughs> it's clip art. Clip art. Oh, I want to have internet in here. It's just very, like, low-level kind of, like... Um, you know those graphics, not word art, not like, like kind of like word art, but for graphics. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm just confused. Like literally anything can be an NFT. Yeah, so, literally anything. Music can be an F- yeah. NFT. Like anything, like literally this this NFT thing is literally, it's moving into the whole of, um, the whole creative industry really. Yeah. Like all eras, like music, um, videos, obviously um, artwork, even memes can be NFTs that I've I've seen. It's just I was watching a video the other day where can commodify anything. Boy. There's this virtual world where like they're showing like NFT artwork in this like virtual gallery and stuff. I'm like, do you know what? Maybe the future is of is the future is digital, and maybe this yeah. is where art is going. Maybe p- actual paintings will be soon in like ten fifteen years. People go to art uni to create digital art to create NFTs. Maybe mm. that's where it's going. I'm I mean, sure someone's creating that syllabus. Yeah. I hope not as well, because I feel like this is... There's something about the medium and stuff like that where I know people say, oh, but you own that one. But I'm just kind of like, yeah, but I can literally just take a picture of it. I can literally take a screenshot. I know an actual painting you can, but it's it just feels different. Mm. Yeah, I can take a picture of the Mona Lisa, but the Mona Lisa is like that one Mona Lisa. We've got chucked in an ocean if someone stole it it's gone mm. but it kind of feels like with something digital it can I think there's something about digital and reproduction that doesn't feel like it has the same value mm. as something that someone could only do by that one person's hand mm. I don't know but it's true I think it'll be interesting to get someone who actually really really understands it because maybe I'm just 
off the mark and I'm all wrong and it's just like you just don't get it girls but yeah there's just something about it that just doesn't really sit right with me but I think it's just generally with of course people have to eat artists have to eat but it's just generally with the buying and selling of art there's always something that I felt is very like kind of it's very transactional and sometimes borderline especially when it comes to like contemporary African art is very Mm. colonialistic Mm. Um, and it's just another thing when you kind of think about yeah creativity and having to kind of commodify that and really sell that shit people aren't really making they're not making NFTs it they to make it. art. Yeah. They're making NFTs to make money. money. That's what it feels like. Let's be honest now. Literally. You hear about, oh, some 12-year-old girl made four million by selling her NFTs and then people are like, oh, I can, I can do that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas art, obviously I feel like it's true. Artists deserve to get, deserve to get paid. They get, deserve to get paid well. Mm-hmm. But is it taken away from the actual process of creating real art in a sense yeah because people just want something to put their money into and to have ownership of mm-hmm. it's a tricky one no definitely that's the yeah let's find a crypto expert or nft mm-hmm. expert that'll mm. be it. homework <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> we digress <sighs> have to round up um <laughs> so i guess in summary <laughs> <laughs> to summarize everything that we've said trying to find your tribe it's about (laughs) casting a wide net it's Mm. about casting a wide net i think um sometimes you can't if you if something's not working for you don't just rely on that one form of selling if you're online it might be about right now your people aren't finding you on your website but do you need to find another platform online to sell on um that maybe specializes in your type of art or the personalization or whatever it is that you're trying to sell if it's markets, find that the right market that appealed that appeals to the right people. It could be like we said, it could be an area thing, like where I said South London, East or it could be East London or it could be outside of London in Reading, sorry, they're loving your stuff, or it could be a, something that's more particular, like it's about black artists or black designers or mm. um a, a type a body type, but finding those right places so that you know you can make that investment in that market or in that shop or whatever or that online platform, knowing that it's more likely to yield a re- return. Because as much, much of artists or whatever we, we're doing this for um, enjoyment or pleasure, but when you turn it into business, you also want to be able to look after yourself. Um, so you want to invest your time wisely into like the different platforms that you're trying to sell your products or your art. Over to you, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in other news, um, yeah, I went to um, a gallery. I went to White Cube Gallery in Bermondsey. I think, was it last week? Yeah, maybe it was like last week um, to see an exhibition by... Tunji Adini Jones. So he's a New York based, no, yeah, London born, New York based mm-hmm. artist. Um, and he has a show there at the White Cube. I think it's on until the 9th of January, okay. uh, 2022. Um, I can't remember the title of the exhibition. Uh, something like this is. 
Damn, can't remember. <laughs> Wait, what is it called? This. Like, this is us or something. I was going to say that, but I swear that's also... No, it's like this. <laughs> Let me just quickly go to But Instagram. I think I'm thinking, of, I don't know, I'm thinking of something else, because I swear there's a TV show on Amazon Prime called This Is Us. Have you watched it? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, this is... Yeah, so the exhibition is on at the White Cube, and it's called That Which Binds Us. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Got the reunions. But, yeah, essentially, it's, yeah, it's um, a collection of, yeah, recent works. So probably over the last, like, I think three... They've been created within the last, like, three, three years. Mm. Um, a lot of the works are kind of... They've been made, like, this year. Um, and... Yeah, it's kind of figurative. Yeah, it's figurative paintings. Um, and it's kind of like across two rooms um, okay. in the White Cube. Um, yeah, it's a really nice exhibition. Um, and there's also like other exhibitions happening within the, within the gallery. But yeah, to be fair, I went for that. <laughs> what did you like about the exhibition? Um... I mean, I've seen his work. I've seen it um, around. So his, it's like he, what I like about, I love paintings and I think I'm just really naturally quite drawn to like figurative figurative paintings, especially when they're kind of like life-sized. So it's like the canvases, they're like really huge and they're really colourful. But the one thing that kind of, what I enjoyed the most is kind of with the figures is kind of, it looks like they're, dancing there's like a lot of movement involved and I quite enjoy that because sometimes it's sometimes when you look at paintings and I think especially when it's like portraiture and that kind of thing it's a bit um sometimes it can be quite drab and really like stoic and it doesn't really have much life to it or sometimes it just feels and looks very intense I think with his work it's really vibrant it's really fun Okay. It's colourful, it's painted really be- beautifully. And I think there's so many different elements to look at. It's abstract, but you can clearly still see the figures within it. Um, and I think the one thing about... It's kind of... it's Sometimes it's quite strange, but it's like sometimes when you look at artwork, it's almost like even though the figures, they're literally like in... I don't know, like in pink or orange or purple or whatever. It's just like when you look at the work you can I can identify that as a black body okay or I can Mm, look it and yeah see like I don't know a black body that looks familiar to me or a black body that kind of I can relate to yeah um yeah and it's just even the way the faces are painted it's just like they're muscular they're very tall like they're very kind of lean they kind of yeah it's like the faces, the structure, it almost looks like, yeah, what you'd see in, do you know what I mean? Like the Ife head or like the okay. bron- Benin bronzes. It's just very kind of like strong, kind of, yeah, strong features mm. um, and just, yeah, strong presence. But when you look at the actual canvases themselves, they're very kind of beautiful, like quite dainty and... Yeah, it's just like 
the figures blend in with the foliage which is like makes up the abstract background um and it's kind of although a lot of the canvases they're kind of like they use um similar colors um but it's almost like it tells a story kind of when you work your way through the room Mm. um yeah and it's just it's like super super vibrant it's just really beautiful work and i think even um there's a book what's it called young gifted and black okay by uh antoine surgeon sergeant surgeon do you know what I'm talking about? Antoine. <laughs> <laughs> Your brother's smiling at me. You're just like, no, girl. <laughs> Antoine. <sighs> yeah, I've just literally massacred his name. But yeah, anyway, by this, I think he's a curator. Anyway, there's a book called Young, Gifted and Black. Um, and then, um, yeah, one of his pieces, one of... Um, Tunji Adani Jones's um, works is on the front cover, so that's why I'm just always I've just been drawn to his work. So it was actually right. really nice to kind of experience that um, and see it in person. Kind of do wish, yeah, do wish that there was more work, right? Okay, to see because essentially it's just it's only twelve pieces, mm. so you can kind of obviously depends how fast or slow you walk but you, <laughs> or if you're stopping for selfies but you can pretty much make your way through that room real quick yeah yeah and there's also a second room by another artist can't remember her name but if you're interested in that you can just google white cube take True. a look on their website but yeah it's free to free to see and it's local yeah it sounds good actually i think i'm gonna try and go over the a stiff period. Yeah, I do it. I think you'll like it actually. I think you'll like it a lot. It's yeah, it's really nice. Like the yeah, the works, the prints, the colours. Um, but I think the one thing about the White Cube Gallery is just it's not like a criticism. It's just my observation. I just feel like there's something very soulless about the mm. gallery. I get it, like it's literally a cube, it's shaped like a cube, all of that jazz, but there's something very soulless about the building. Yeah. Um, and it's just like even when you step into the space, it just reminds me of like a doctor's surgery is like clinically white. Like you know, when it's <laughs> the white is like blinding you. Yeah. Yeah. There's I don't know, spaces like that or when I go to galleries like that, I'm just like, yeesh. Yeah, it's very um what's the word I'm looking for. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's just the I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, that's that's just my thoughts on the on the space to be fair. But other than that, the artwork, that's what I went there for. It's, it's beautiful. So I would definitely recommend if you're in or around the Bermondsey slash Towerbridge area, definitely mm. just go check it out. It's free. Don't have to book an appointment. Obviously, you just have to wear a mask when you're walking around. They have yeah, a nice little bookshop as well. Um, do you buy things at bookshops when you go to galleries? Um, not often. Yeah. Not often. 
I often, if I see things I like, I, will, I normally go and try and find it somewhere else. Yep. I was going to say, I'm not the only person that does that. I used to, like, when I used to go to, like, the Tate, like, you know when they used to do, like, Tate Lates? Yeah. Like, they used to have, like, a series of, I think they're, I think they're by Penguin, like, kind of short, um, uh, extracts from books okay so i used to buy those a lot and then when i was at this um bookshop in the gallery i was just like mm, hang on babes i was literally about to take stuff to too i was just like <laughs> reduce like calm down just had to pull out amazon i was just like i'm pretty sure i can literally get this like five pound cheaper yeah lo and behold it was literally there like five pound cheaper i was just like i need to calm down like one time i went to go and see a tim walker exhibition at somerset house and they had this massive book i was like oh my gosh i want that book so much it was like 70 quid I found it at like an online secondhand bookshop for like thirty five pounds, and even though it was secondhand, it was like like new. Like I couldn't. Yeah. There was no wear and tear. There was no mysterious stains. It was just like <laughs> <laughs> like new for like half the price, including delivery. And I can imagine that the delivery might have been thirty five pounds because the book was so big. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, wow, I would have paid seventy pounds for it, and I would have had to carry it home. I know. And I supported a a local, not local, <laughs> but you know, like a small business. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. No. Uh, all right. I guess yeah. It's time to wrap things up. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Um. And yeah, we'll be back again probably in two weeks' time. But you can follow us on social media, and that's um at art ho ho spell h e a u x. Yeah, I was also I was proper <laughs> thinking the other day is like, whoever's listening to our podcast, they can actually see how it's spelled. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like the other day, I was like, and also I was like, why do we always spell things in like funny ways? Like even with displaced people, we always like, yeah, displaced people spell people. <laughs> like, we just don't like the simple life, do we? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, find us on socials and we'll see you soon.